Dean Ornish. He brought in people who already had severe heart disease, did exactly the diet changes I'm talking about. And the LDL cholesterol, that LDL dropped not 5% or 7% or 12%. It dropped 37%. That's in statin territory. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries and healthy cities coast to coast in the U.S. Madison, Wisconsin, Jackson, Wyoming, San Bruno, California. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 23 of season 5, number 322 overall. How's this for a statistic? Nearly 100 million adults in the U.S. are estimated to have high cholesterol. It's not a very good one to throw out there considering the fact that elevated cholesterol raises the risk for heart disease and stroke, which, by the way, are the first and fifth leading causes of death in this country. And the numbers worldwide? Well, they're not much better at all. The World Health Organization estimates about 4 in 10 adults have it globally. Now, the standard course of treatment, of course, calls for medication. But what if there was perhaps an even more effective way? One that didn't require a trip to the pharmacy. Is there such a way? A more natural way? And could that way begin with what it is that you're eating? Well, my guest today says yes and yes. Dr. Neil Barnard is here for another edition of The Exam Room Live, and we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag to answer the questions that you all sent in. And there is so much to cover with cholesterol and how to lower it the natural way. And of course, as always, when the doctor's mailbag is open, we're going to cover a little bit of everything else as well. So we have questions about coconut milk and high-protein, low-carb diets, and diet soda. Why is it so darn addictive? Plus, the best cookware for your kitchen, and back to the cholesterol, why do we even need it? We're going to find out. But before we get going, I want to say a huge thank you to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. Their support of the exam room and the Physicians Committee is helping to raise our health IQs and makes this episode possible. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. One more quick note to pass along to you today before we get going. Dr. Barnard was on location when we recorded this, so you may hear some background noise while he's talking. We apologize for that, but my promise to you is this. My guarantee is this. The information that is shared today, it is as good as ever. So let's go ahead right now. Take a look at cholesterol and what we can do to lower it the natural way. Here's Dr. Neil Barnard on The Exam Room. Before we open up the doctor's mailbag, Dr. Barnard, let's do a little cholesterol 101. And I think that we should first talk about what cholesterol actually is and why we even need it. Yeah, well, cholesterol 
is something that's made in your body, especially your liver, but all your cells can make it. And they, they're making it for a reason. Um, they're, they're, using, they're using it to go into your cell membranes where it keeps your cell membranes flexible. It's used as a raw material for making hormones. Um, vitamin D is made from it. Testosterone is made from it. Estrogen is made from it. It's sort of this all-purpose uh, tool used for lots of things. The problem is that if there's too much of it, your body reacts to that too. If there's too much of it, it ends up getting into the artery walls and it ends up leading to plaque development and a plaque bursts and that closes off your blood circulation, leads to a heart attack. And the, 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 the problem is not small. The problem is huge. As you were saying in the introduction, uh, this is uh, a worldwide epidemic, really, where we have heart disease as a number one killer or number two killer in just about every country on the globe. And so when we're talking about so many people who have high cholesterol, what exactly is the threshold for high cholesterol now? What number is that? Okay. If you go to a typical doctor's office, they'll say 200. 200 milligrams per deciliter is uh, the, the limit. You want to be lower than that. However, I would suggest you aim for a lot lower than that. And the reason I say that, late 1940s, Framingham, Massachusetts, researchers started tracking people's diets, cholesterol levels, blood pressure, lots of factors in their lives. And they looked at who had heart attacks and who didn't. And the number 200 was pretty much irrelevant. Uh, the number that really mattered was the number 150. When people were below 150, heart disease was really rare. But then if you went from 150 to about 170, you could see the numbers really going up. 170 to 190, they were going up again. 190 to 200, they were going up again. And 200 was just a spot on the uh, on this uh, increasing curve. So why do people use the word two, uh, the number 200? It's a round number. It's a number that people get, yeah, I'm not kidding. And it's a number that people can get to. So if the average cholesterol in America is between 200 to 210, uh, you can get to 200, feel good about yourself, but are you still going to have a heart attack? Very likely. Yeah. So we want to get it down and, and, and we, and we can. Why do people say 200? Because it's a nice round number. Okay. Uh, asked and answered. I was not expecting that one whatsoever. Uh, let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. The first question comes to us from Olivia. It is the topic of the day. What is the best way to lower cholesterol naturally? Okay. Uh, the first thing to do is instead of focusing just on medicines or on some magical thing that's going to bring it down, look at what's bringing it up and get away from that. What brings it up? Number one, cholesterol itself. If your day starts with two eggs, you're eating cholesterol. In fact, if you're eating any animal product, you're eating cholesterol. Stop doing that. It does, yes, it does add to your own. Uh, the egg industry has tried to dispute that unsuccessfully in the same way as if you eat sugar, will it add to your blood sugar? Yes. If you eat cholesterol, Will it add to your blood cholesterol? Yes, it does. About half of it uh, adds to your own. But even worse than that is certain foods that increase cholesterol production in your body. The technical word is saturated fat. The informal word is cheese <laughs> or it, it, cheese, meat, uh, eggs to a degree as well. And certain, there are certain plant fats, not very many, but a few of them that have a substantial amount of saturated fat. That's going to raise your cholesterol too. So if you want to get your cholesterol down, Avoid animal products completely. Keep oils really low. And if you don't do anything else, for most people, you're going to start to see your cholesterol come down. And for 90% of people, your doctor is not going to even mention 
the idea about medication because your cholesterol level will be in, in a healthy range. Perfect segue to Raymond's question. We live in a what have you done for me lately world. And so how quickly he's wondering, can cholesterol improve if somebody adopts a vegan diet? Uh, in research studies, we usually wait about two or three months before we want to see the effect because that's where the effect has really blossomed. But the truth is your cholesterol starts coming down within the first week. So let's say uh, on a given day, a person decides I'm going to try a completely plant-based diet today, not a shred of anything animal in it. So you're not eating eggs. So all that big load of cholesterol that's in an egg, gone. You're not eating the animal fat that's driving your cholesterol. It's all gone. Your cholesterol starts dropping on day one. And if you're in a hurry and you went back to the doctor two weeks, three weeks from now, just in that short interval, your cholesterol would be substantially lower. Uh, but there's no reason to hurry. It's a chronic issue. So don't. I would not bother getting tested for about two to three months out. You've mentioned eggs now a couple of times. So let's take a question from Lee, who is wondering whether or not they raise cholesterol. She's confused like a lot of people. She says that she knows that there's cholesterol in them, but she's also seen that data that you were talking about from the egg industry that says, no, they don't raise cholesterol. This was a huge thing. It, and it, it was the 2015 Dietary Guidelines for Americans. This is the government's guidelines for what you should eat. In 2015, they were being reformulated and everybody knew it, including the, the egg industry, and they made a plan to try to make eggs not look so bad. Um, the reason they were concerned is eggs are really the biggest source of cholesterol in the diet. It's a little cholesterol bomb. That's because when a chicken lays an egg, that egg is not calling out for room service. That egg has to have everything inside the shell to make a chicken so that when the chick pops out with feathers and a beak and eggs and legs and eyes and a liver and a heart and all that stuff. Everything that goes into making that chick had to be in that egg. So there is a boatload of cholesterol. There's fat, there's protein, all this stuff. Um, and so when you eat it, yes, your cholesterol level goes up. But anyway, back to the dietary guidelines. What happened was the egg industry started doing studies to try to suggest that, that cholesterol levels wouldn't really rise so much when people eat eggs. And so they would do studies, say, comparing eating an egg to eating sausage. And they would say, well, gee, it's really not much different. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, you can see the problem with that. They both raise cholesterol. Um, or they would do other things to try to make cholesterol look good. Bottom line, even the egg industry couldn't hide the facts. Eggs do raise cholesterol. If there's anything you want to say for them is that there are other things that are even worse. And those are foods that have a huge amount of saturated fat that drives cholesterol. But no, I, I would avoid eggs entirely and avoid the other animal products too. So now we know that getting meat out of your diet, getting eggs out of your diet, those animal foods out of your diet is effective for lowering cholesterol, but how effective is it compared to medication? That's what Sam is wondering. Very effective. Now, if you take the skin off your chicken, and eat more chicken instead of beef, and you have more fish and, and that kind of thing, and, um, and you switch from two eggs a day to one egg a day, the effect is minimal. It doesn't work very well. And so that's a big reason why doctors have gotten discouraged, and they've started, been, they've started writing Lipitor prescriptions as if it's candy, um, because they thought diet wasn't very effective. Let's not do that. Let's instead eliminate all the dietary cholesterol. Let's eliminate all the animal fat. And when that happens, the numbers look like this. Back in 1990, Dean Ornish, who 
has been a great friend to the exam room. Um, he brought in people who already had severe heart disease, did exactly the diet kind of changes that the diet changes I'm talking about. And the LDL cholesterol, bad LDL dropped not 5% or 7% or 12%. It dropped 37%. So that's in statin territory. Uh, bottom line, it's, it's very, very effective. It varies a lot from person to person. And your cholesterol bounces around from week to week. But it's, um, if you do it right, it can be very much like medication. Well, let's take a question now from Spike. That's a good name because you know Spike is is a guy that probably has eaten a steak or two in their day, and now Spike's a little veg curious. So Spike's making progress. But what Spike is wondering, Doctor Barnard, is whether there are any vegan foods that contain cholesterol. There are tiny, tiny traces of cholesterol you will see here and there in various plants. You take a tobacco leaf, uh, for example, and it's got nicotine or whatever, but you'll find some tiny traces of cholesterol in it, uh, but not to any substantial degree, not to any significant degree, not enough to drive that nutrition facts label up above zero. So the amounts are trivial. Um, so so the, the, the practical answer is no, plants don't have cholesterol. But what they do have in some cases is they do have bad fat, not many. Um, beans and vegetables and fruits and grains really don't have much saturated fat at all. But there are a couple of bad actors in there. Uh, coconut oil is case in point um, that's uh, unfortunately getting into more and more foods. But it has not cholesterol, but it's got a lot of saturated fat that will drive your cholesterol. Uh, let's get back to the what have you done for me lately category. Take a question from Mickey wondering, are there any foods that lower cholesterol faster than others? She's wondering specifically whether high fiber foods would do the trick. Yes, uh, exactly. And, and bullseye, you're right. Um, David Jenkins, a great researcher at the University of Toronto and a person who has consulted with us on our work because he's just been a leader in the world of nutrition for decades. He devised a, a diet called the portfolio diet. And the idea was, let's say I start with a plant-based diet, but I add a portfolio of additional foods to it and see if I can augment that cholesterol lowering. And the answer is you sure can. And uh, number one, high fiber foods. What we're we talking about, beans, of course. Fiber is roughage, uh, but also barley and, and oats. You know, you pick up a box of oats and they'll put a, um, a new, an authorized nutrition health claim on there that the government lets them use, saying that it will lower cholesterol level. Uh, cholesterol levels, not huge, but a few percentage points. So let's add to it some other things. Soy protein, for some reason, lowers cholesterol beyond just the fact that soy doesn't have cholesterol and doesn't have animal fat. There's something about soy that will reduce cholesterol a little bit too. Next, next, yep, next up, almonds. Um, explain it. Well, we think it's probably the type of fat that's in almonds seems to have a cholesterol lowering effect. And fourth on the list, um, after fiber, soy, uh, almonds, the, the next one is certain kind of magical margarines out there. Now, most margarines are just replacing butter and they're not really adding anything helpful. But there are some brands like Benacol. You'll, you'll see these brands, they have certain sterols or stanols in them that have an active cholesterol lowering effect. David Jenkins put them all together, brought in human volunteers and said, try this. And he could get about a 30, 40% cholesterol lowering in four weeks. I mean, it was very fast. Um, so you can add those to your diet. That said, if you're just avoiding the animal products 
and the bad oils. You're going to get a pretty good effect just from that alone. I knock me over with a feather. You can lower your cholesterol by eating a certain type of margarine. That I again file that under was not expecting to hear that on this show. That that is just amazing. Always, man. That's what I love about the show, Doctor Barnard. Is every single time we learn something new. It's so great. That's why I love this this show so much. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me add this onto it then, Chuck. Um, there there are two brands that you'll see a lot. Uh, one is Benicol. One is Take Control. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you need either one, but they both do have their margarine. You put them on your baked potato, um, but they do have a specific cholesterol lowering effect. Uh, let's take a question here from Brittany. And I think that this probably comes from a house where Brittany lives and maybe her significant other really has their heels dug in. Brittany's going vegan. She's feeling good eating plant-based, but her partner heels dug in wants to continue to to eat that diet that they've been eating. So maybe Brittany is just looking to do the best that she can here. And she's wondering which meat has the most cholesterol. So maybe that's something that she'll stop serving. I hate to break it to you. The cholesterol is different from the fat. The cholesterol, as I mentioned, is actually in the cell membranes of the muscle cells. So if you have um, chicken, beef, and you take the skin off the chicken, in the lean portion of the chicken or the lean portion of the, of the, meat, of the beef, that's where the cholesterol is hiding. Um, now, getting away from the fat is helpful um, because the fat drives your cholesterol level up, but they really all do have it. So if your question is, which kind of burger is gonna lower my cholesterol the most? Is it a beef burger, a chicken burger, or, or a, a turkey burger? The answer is the bean burger. Yeah, that's the one that's that's the one that's going to bring down your cholesterol and the ketchup and pickle will not hurt you. All right. Now, this is an important question from Wendy, one that uh, a lot of people I'm sure are wondering as well. Does eating a salad with a steak offset the cholesterol from the steak? Only if you eat so much salad that you couldn't eat the steak, then it would. Yes. <laughs> OK, so, OK, so not really much that you could do. No, and having a salad with a cigar doesn't, you know, reduce your risk of you know, the problems with the cigar. No, I'm sorry to break your heart. No, it doesn't help. Important information. Thank you. Um, let's take a question from Brandy. And there is a certain segment of the population who I think is in Brandy's position. She's wondering, do you have advice for people who still have high cholesterol, despite the fact that they're eating a plant-based diet? Oh, great, great, great question. Um, when a person gets away from animal products, you're avoiding virtually all the cholesterol that's good. You're also avoiding virtually all the saturated fat. But let's say your cholesterol didn't budge. Could there be something left there in the diet that could be a problem? And the big uh, issues that, that can remain are coconut oil and palm oil. The reason I mention them is in the past, what, five years or so, they have been added to more and more things. You, you'll get a jar of peanut butter, which you would think would have peanuts in it and maybe some peanut oil but they're adding palm oil to lots of them to give it a smoother, more buttery mouthfeel. And palm oil is high in saturated fat and it will raise your cholesterol, coconut oil even more so. Um, and coconut oil, you will see it in some things like the Impossible Burger or um, a number of other products like that where, the, where it's added to make it taste like animal fat, um, but it has kind of the effect that animal fat does. So avoid the coconut oil, avoid the uh, palm oil, That'll bring you down. Avoid fatty foods in general for extra credit. Uh, the saturated fat content of, say, beef fat, 50% of it is saturated. Uh, switch to chicken. It's 30% saturated. 
go to olive oil. It's only 14% saturated. That's good. But if I go to a nonstick pan and I don't use oil at all, down to zero. So what am I saying? Avoid animal products, avoid coconut oil and palm oil, and avoid oils in general. And the vast majority of people are going to knock their cholesterols down. If you did all this and it didn't work, the problem is genetic. And that's the time to talk to your doctor about whether or not you should start a statin. And how, how many people fall into that particular category where it's just genetics? And I know that we can do a lot to improve our odds of being healthier, but in certain situations, it's just like, eh, it's still kind of bad luck. So what percentage would you estimate of the population struggles with high cholesterol, no matter what? Yeah, maybe one in 10, something like that. And there we honestly don't know the answer. The answer is still to follow a healthy vegan diet. But the, the thing that we don't know is, is it going to help you to add a statin and drive your cholesterol down even more? Most doctors would say, absolutely, go for the statin, get that low cholesterol. But as statins, risks have become more apparent. They cause weight gain and increased risk of diabetes and in rare cases, even dementia. I emphasize rare because they also have benefits. Um, but there was a really neat observation. In Dean Ornish's study that I mentioned earlier, Everyone's going on a plant-based diet and they're exercising and, and having a healthy lifestyle. There was one person in that study who could not get his cholesterol down. It was really high no matter what he did. And it was pretty clearly a genetic driver. But even he had reversal of his heart disease. In other words, he had an angiogram. His arteries were, were opening, up, opening up just like everybody else. And so that started people thinking, well, maybe the issue is of the cholesterol and animal products that you're eating to a degree independent of what they do to your blood test. We don't really know the answer to that, but most doctors would say, if, you, if you've got a high cholesterol and you just can't get it down no matter what you're doing, you might really want to consider medication. Ah, that's that's fascinating. I didn't realize that about his research. That's, that's a really, really important nugget that you just put out there. Um, brass tacks now from Lucy. Uh, she wants to know what is the bigger factor, bar none, not eating meat or the cholesterol lowering properties found in plants? You mean when you switch from a meaty diet to a plant-based diet, are you doing better because you're not eating the meat or is it because there's something magical in the plant? It's really the not eating the animal products. And by the way, I didn't mean to just say meat because the biggest source of the bad fat, the, the cholesterol driving fat, saturated fat is the technical term. The biggest source is not meat. The biggest source is cheese and other dairy products. Uh, meat is number two. But avoiding those, that's really the main thing. It's not the magical properties of the plants. And last question before we open up the floor to other forms of questions here, touching on a few other things, is every time that we talk about cholesterol on the show, I think back to a story maybe you told or I heard it somewhere about somebody who had high cholesterol, adopted a plant-based diet. The numbers improved just so dramatically. Um, he goes to the doctor, the patient does, and he's like, doc, you know, like this is a great improvement. But the doc says well, you need to keep eating meat so you can keep taking your medication. So, I mean, what, what do you say to something like that? And how does a person really make sure that they're working with their doctor in the right way as they're switching over to this type of eating? Yeah, it's, it's a tragic thing that sometimes doctors give advice that isn't really so helpful. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that that's happening less and less and less. The reason I say that is we've been doing clinical trials now since the 1990s 
And when we got started, at that time, there were a lot of doctors who were really glad that their patients with weight problems, cholesterol problems, diabetes, were trying a vegan diet. At that point already, a lot of doctors knew it was a good idea. Um, but now, virtually every single doctor knows it's a good idea. And, and these horror stories that you hear of a doctor thinking you need meat in your diet, luckily, those are, are pretty rare. But I do have to say there, there is one myth that has not yet led, left the medical community. And that is you can have a bad cholesterol, but if your good cholesterol, your HDL is high, that'll compensate. There you're gonna be safe. And unfortunately, doctors haven't really gotten that out of their heads. Um, there was evidence years ago that people with high HDL levels had less risk of heart disease. And so everyone thought, well, as long as I keep that high, I don't care what my bad cholesterol, my LDL cholesterol is. Mistake. The research has come in and it has shown that, let's say you, you boost your HDL. There are medications that boost HDL. It turns out that it doesn't actually reduce your heart disease risk at all. So doctors have had to go back to basics. They get your cholesterol test. They look at the total number. What, what they zero in on is your LDL cholesterol level. I want that below 100 and I honestly do not care if your HDL level is super high. If, I can, if, if that LDL number is not low, I want to take action and you should too. All right. Let's open up that doctor's mailbag now and then see if we can't pivot and get something else. We'll start with Gail, who's going to take us from cholesterol to kidneys. She's wondering what foods help with kidneys and is it possible to reverse poor kidney health? Oh, what a great question. Um, your kidneys are your filters. You need them. Uh, you can't live without them. If the kidneys totally fail, we're looking at transplants or dialysis. Um, so if you have had some attacks to your kidneys, either from diabetes high blood pressure or infections or other causes, um, we want to preserve the remaining kidney function that we have, and, and you can. So if, if the assault has come from diabetes or high blood pressure, this is a big case for a healthy diet. Getting the animal products out again is just absolutely essential. That's the real, real uh, basics for improving diabetes and for improving blood pressure. Um, there has been a lot of um, debate among scientists about animal proteins role in uh, kidney disease. And most of the evidence suggests that we really want to get the animal protein out of our diet because it can be hard on the kidneys too. Stay tuned on that. Uh, but it looks like it's helpful for preserving the kidney function as well. So it's really important. Let's take a question from Lindsay wondering about diet soda. She wants to know, is it really bad for you? She says she still craves it after three years of going without it. You got to ask yourself, what the heck is in it? <laughs> you are not, you are not alone. Um, people can get hooked on this. They really can. Um, in favor of artificially flavored sodas, it's not sugar. They really are calorie free or close to it, depending on, on how it's made. Um, and so you're removing a big chunk of calories. I mean, you have one big 20 ounce soda, it could be 250 calories. You go to a diet soda, that's gone. That's good problem is that the health benefits haven't really materialized. You don't see people losing weight. You don't see it reducing diabetes risk when people switch to diet sodas. And some people have suggested that that's because the diet soda maintains a desire for sugary tastes. And so it drives you, you have that diet soda at 10 o'clock in the morning. You still want sugar at two o'clock in the afternoon and five o'clock and eight o'clock and nine o'clock. And so that, um, 
In fact, when we've looked at the risk of developing diabetes, it's driven as much by diet soda as it is by regular soda, if, if it's even driven at all by regular soda. So my bottom line is, I don't think they're poison. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, but there is some benefit to getting away from it because it maintains that taste for sweet stuff. You mentioned uh, earlier in the show about cooking without oil, trying to move to that area in the kitchen. And so if you're doing that, you need the proper kind of cookware. So Anna is wondering, what are the best and safest options for that? You can go in a couple different ways. Uh, plain old stainless steel is fine. Um, and there are some brands of it that are so well made, you really don't need oil with them at all. Um, just tremendous uh, products. If you're getting going to uh, a nonstick pan, you're probably worried that this is going to be one of those pans from the 1970s where you're frying up something and little bits of the Teflon are chipping off into your food and you're wondering, are you inhaling fumes as they're being made? Um, technology has really advanced. And the nonstick pans that are produced nowadays, from what I have seen, are completely safe. Uh, a couple of caveats, don't cook with them at burning hot temperatures. Keep it low to, to medium. Um, and uh, if you treat them well, they'll treat you well too. Take a question from Tina about diabetes. She says that she's been advised to eat a high protein, low carb diet because of a family history with diabetes. She's wondering whether that's sage advice or should she be looking at something else? No, that's an old fashioned way, a fad way, and I wouldn't do that at all. Um, you can understand why people do that because diabetes means the cells of your body aren't able to take up the sugar, the, the sugar that they would normally need to power themselves. So your muscles aren't taking sugar out of the blood. Your liver is not taking sugar out of the blood. So the sugar builds up in your bloodstream and your doctor measures it and says, you've got a problem, stop eating sugar. Uh, stop eating carbohydrates that release sugar. And that doesn't really solve the issue. Um, the, the question is, why is it that your cells aren't using sugar normally? Why are your muscles not taking sugar out of your blood? And the reason is the buildup of fat inside the cell. Once you get the fat out of your muscle cells, they can act more normally. They can reduce your blood sugar naturally. That's the way to go. So the reason we encourage people not to do that idea of low-carb, high-protein is because that sets you up uh, over the long run for all the problems that we've been talking about, diet-related cancers, diet-related heart disease, and other things. So I wouldn't go in that direction at all. Speaking of sugar, question now from Carly. It's the follow-up to the last episode you were with me. She's wondering whether added sugar can help ward off depression. Probably not, but you can see over the short term, people do feel better. I mean, people crave these things. And so uh, in the morning, it's just not morning if you're not having a donut. And, you know, going to bed, if you don't have a couple of cookies before you get, go to bed, people just don't feel well. Um, but I have seen idiosyncratically, by that I mean in an occasional person, not in other people, uh, cases where sugar and especially sugar fat mixtures like uh, pie and cake lead people into um, not just depression, but a particular kind of moodiness and irritability that, that tends to go away when they avoid the sugar. And those are also people who do tend to do well with plant protein in their diet. Um, by that, I mean, they start their day with scrambled tofu or some grilled tempeh or other foods that are high in plant protein. So they're not getting the cholesterol or the animal fat, but they're getting protein. They stay away from the sugar and then they do tend to do a lot better. Couple more quick ones here. Uh, Angela, you said coconut oil isn't healthy, but what about coconut milk? 
Um, same story. Uh, if you get some coconut milk at the store, look at the carton, look at the saturated fat content. If it's very much above zero, I would avoid it completely. And last but not least, on the milk train, I'm on a plant-based diet and was wondering what the best plant-based milk is for my cereal in the morning. That one from Cecilia. Great question. There are a million different brands, aren't there? Aren't there? You know, there used to be soy milk and kind of not much else. Soy milk is still great. It lowers cancer risk. It really does. Helps fight, fight hot flashes, lowers cholesterol. It's really hard to beat soy milk, and it comes in a million different flavors. Almond milk uh, is used much lower in protein, um, but it's now the most popular one on the shelf. There's rice milk, hemp milk, oat milk, many others. I, I gave a kind of a cautious warning about coconut milk because of the saturated fat that's often added. Oat milk sometimes has some added fat too, the others tend not to. So uh, if I were gonna recommend, I would say something like soy milk, rice milk, almond milk, those are gonna be some great choices. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating. Cool thing is, it really only does take just a second, and you're helping someone who needs to find this information do just that. People who are struggling with their cholesterol, struggling with their blood pressure, struggling with their weight, and have been for years, and they just want some help. So let's help them out right now. Take a second to subscribe and leave that five-star rating, and we do thank you in advance. And don't forget that you can join us for the exam room live every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific over on YouTube and on Facebook. Would love for you to hop into the chat room with all the other exam roomies. Have some fun and get your question answered right then and right there by our experts. But if you can't join us live, no worries. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Send me your questions there and I will do my best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. And I can't wrap things up today without also saying thank you one more time to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for making today's show possible. Their support of the exam room and the Physicians Committee is helping to raise our health IQs together all around the world. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs to promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and helping to raise our cholesterol IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.